yesterday. I'm in that frazzled state and I remember that look up. So I took a deep breath and I looked up and I and I began a prayer. And I said, Heavenly Father, and inst- and I felt like almost instantly the words just came to me and he was, you know, he was talking to me like he was my father. And he was like, Whitney, you're tired and you're stressed. Go take a nap. Well, it's time for another episode of The Cultural Hall. Excited to be able to share this one with you. It was a long time coming. Uh, that being not only her job at BYU, but I had to be patient. I had to let her get settled in. I had to uh, be, you know, very persistent with the emails, but I got Whitney Johnson on. Uh, You'll hear all about who she is and what she does at BYU and excited to be able to share it with you. Also, you'll notice, hey, it's a midweek episode. That's cool. If you're listening to this in succession in the future, you're thinking, oh, that doesn't mean anything to me. I'm just listening to this after the last episode and before the next episode. I get it. But for those who listen in real time, thank you for doing that. Thank you for subscribing and thank you for sharing this with your friends. Uh, Yeah, it's a midweek episode. It's not a full hour. I've decided I'm going to give myself the liberty to, uh, you know, to not have to go an hour with everyone. If I don't feel like it goes an hour and that's fine. And that's my choice. And I can do that. I also want to let you know that if you are not in fact a Patreon subscriber, we are in the thick, the very thick of making the first 300 episodes of the cultural hall available for you in a podcast feed, which means You'll be able to start at the very beginning and make your way through countless hours of me talking with folks. I added it up. I want to say that available, there is probably like two and a half weeks of me talking, which seems unbearable. Just ask my wife. But uh, become a Patreon saint. That will be the only way that you will be able to listen to those, and especially the only way that you'll be able to listen to those in one after another succession. So uh, it's patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. Hope that you will do that. I know that we are gaining new folks to the cultural hall all the time, but it never ceases to amaze me that there are some people who have never heard of the cultural hall. Share us with your friends. If there's something in particular, a quote from an episode, uh, something that touches you or something that means the world to you, I would ask that you share it. When you share it, it shares with other people and they tell two people. And as Wayne's world would tell me, they also tell two people. So share the word. Enjoy this episode of The Cultural Hall. It's time for another episode of The Cultural Hall and honored in this episode to be joined by Whitney Johnson, who is an Associate Athletic Director for Student Athlete Development Diversity and Inclusion. I'm exhausted just reading your title down at BYU. Welcome, Whitney. Thank you so much, Richie. I know it's a long title, but you you got through it perfectly. Well, and you cover everything then. So tell me what an Associate Athletic Director for Student Athlete Development, Diversity and Inclusion does, or are you still finding out? Yes. So the way that I like to phrase it in simple terms is essentially I am here to help make sure that student athletes have a phenomenal college experience while they're here at BYU and then help them prepare for life after college, whatever that means for them. Um, So a lot of what I'm doing right now specifically is going on what I'm calling essentially a listening slash promotion course. I'm really trying to understand what the student athlete experience is here at BYU, what it looks like, what it means for the students. And then I'm also interviewing coaches and administrators um, to help them, uh, well, to 
help understand, help me understand their experience as well, because especially with the diversity and inclusion piece, um, I'm not just here for student athletes. I'm here to make sure that this is a place that really attracts and retains people of diversity across all three of those spectrums, right? Student athletes, coaches, and administrators. It seems to me like you would have an all eyes on you job, right? It's a brand new position as I understand it. And because recently those 26 points that were brought to the attention of BYU saying, hey, here are some things that we could really do to help BYU to be more inclusive, to be more sensitive to race. Like yours is a position, I think, within that where people are like, all right, Whitney, what are you going to do for this? Do you feel that? You know, with this being a new position, there is a little bit of that. It is, it is a little bit of... Um you know, what? oh, what's she going to do? What is this going to look like? The thing that I have been so impressed with, though, is the support here at BYU. Um, and it comes straight from the top, from the president and vice president, Keith Working, Tom Homo, the athletic director, his, his senior level staff, all the, the coaches that I've met with. There's just so much support. And I think even from um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You know, this is something that uh, the prophet and the church leaders have talked about a lot is rooting out racism and and building environments of unity and love. And so I feel like there, there is a ton of support for this position. And even though it's a new position and I'm new to the position, I really feel like there's there's a team behind me with all of this. And we know that it's not just me coming in, making all these changes or doing all these things. It's definitely a, a team effort. It's a a thing that has been really impressive to me in the most recent of years where BYU has said, hey, I think that there is a problem or maybe if we don't want to give it the title of a problem, ways that we can be better and let's do that. And within the church where, like you said, the prophet has said, guys, there is some of this within the walls of our own church. Let's look at it, look at it seriously and be able to make some changes so that people feel the love of God all of the time when they interact with us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, there's just so much support. And again, this is something that is important. And like you said, it's not, we don't want to label it negatively as, as a problem here on BYU campus, but an opportunity to improve. And like I said earlier, really make sure that this is a place that is attractive and retains and and is a place where people of diverse backgrounds can really flourish. And so that's definitely been our, our vision and, and driving force with this. If you'll allow me a joke sort of here, when we talk about, you know, that that person who would be in, par- in charge of uh, diversity at BYU, it's like saying, you know, the person that would be the head of the Democratic Party for Utah County, right? There's There, at least at present, is not a, a great number of those that, that are diverse on BYU's campus. I would assume then that it's your goal to not only make it a place more attractive for people of all diversities, um, but to be able to allow those voices to be heard. How do you plan to do that within the position that you have? Exactly. Yeah. And I want I do, I'm going to talk to that a little bit, the, the vision really of this position and um, what we, uh, an internal audit was completed here in the athletics department um, led by uh, Fraser Bullock of Sorensen Capital. And so he identified pretty three um, well, he identified this one team initiative that we're going with, and the, and the E of that one team is embrace minorities and underrepresented groups. And so, again, that's kind of framed the vision for everything that I'm doing. And part of that is increase the number of coaches, student athletes, and staff who are of minority and underrepresented groups, build bridges of understanding, and then really develop those diverse and underrepresented populations that are here and help develop them holistically. So, in terms of the how, of that vision. Um, There's a lot of ways to go about it. And my meetings that I've had um, with 
coaches, student athletes, and administrators. Um, I've started to form some some priorities of things that that I think are definitely need, going to need to be um, or again take priority and be kind of my first steps with all of this. I think number one is education, helping student athletes understand how to navigate conversations of diversity and inclusion, or if they're on upper campus and they, you know, are come in contact with microaggressions or, or gaslighting or various things happen, them feeling empowered and knowing how to approach those situations, educating coaches and administrators, knowing how to initiate those various conversations with their student athletes, making sure that they know how to navigate these 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 challenging times and these things that they've never really had to talk about and, and may not have ever had experience with. Um, in addition to education, a lot of it is me building relationships across the board, um, making sure that I can be seen as a first responder, a problem solver, a resource for um, whatever instances or whatever circumstances people come in contact to, that they can come to me and we can help troubleshoot and go about finding the right, right, right answer. Um, and then ultimately I come in from a background of programming. I love events. I think having um, built in a built-in pipeline um, of sustainable programs and events that enhance education, allow for opportunities of connection across the board so that everyone can really take advantage of the diver- diversity that is here, um, that's going to be huge as well. You know, most famously within the last couple of years at BYU, there was... Um... Uh, a, a program that was part of uh, Black History Month where, you know, they're up on, on stage and people could tweet or text in questions. And and quickly that got out of hand where people right. were saying things like, well, why isn't there a white history month? I want to press pause on that kind of uh, that sort of talk, certainly. But when you when you recognize you have a campus full of people who may not understand what a microaggression is or why something like that would be racist or just because of where they were raised or you know, within the church, we have a diversity issue as well. They may have never had experience with people uh, th- that are anything but like like them. How do we instruct those people who don't know that they need education to be educated? Excellent question there. And it does definitely begin with, so I guess, you know, how, do, how to educate those people that don't know they need education. Um, it's making it a, a part of their college experience, right? It's incorporating trainings and essentially initiating and creating experiences where they have to come in contact with those kind of things so that they can be aware. Um, it can also be done via surveys or just allowing people to kind of be introspective about their experience and realize, oh, I, I do have biases. I, I didn't realize that this was even a part of my own mindset. So it's, it's putting them in situations where they're forced to think about it um, and then allowing them that experience that, that can be filled with moments of, of growth and retrospection. Um, and I think a big part of it is to, um, and this is, I'll, I'll take you through a quick exercise if you're okay please. with this, Richie. Yes, please. Um, one thing that I I think is really eye-opening. So I want you to go ahead and think of your, we'll call it your, your go-to team. Think of your five closest friends or your five closest confidants, people um, you would go to for advice when you're facing a big decision or you get in an accident, they're the first people you call. As you think of those five people and kind of align them in your, in your mind, I want you to think about their age, their religious affiliation, think about their sexual orientation, who they're attracted to, their gender identity, or, uh, male, female, cisgender, transgender, gender fluid, think about their physical abilities, think about their nationalities or their nation of origin or, or their, their language, um, and then think about their race. 
And as you thought about that, and the first time that I first did that exercise, I was floored of the homogeneity and the how homogeneous that that group of five were for me. And I think, you know, if we can't call ourselves people who are interested or, or advocates of diversity and inclusion, if we're not willing to fill our lives with diversity and inclusion, and if we're not willing to open ourselves up to those different perspectives and allowing ourselves to trust and get to know others. At the core of this work is relationships, right? Being, having the opportunity or forcing yourself outside of your comfort zone and getting to know people who think completely differently than you, who look completely differently than you, um, and, and being willing to open yourself up to that. So I think a lot of, a lot of again, I'll go, uh, what I call programming is really just allowing moments of transformational experiences, which could be as simple as someone having a conversation with someone and listening to someone with a perspective that they've never had before. This seems like the ask that you're making is, hey, we're asking you to be uncomfortable. And I don't think that that uh, we as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have the market on it. I think most people don't like to be uncomfortable, but I can see that people would be like, I don't know what Whitney's trying to do here, but that seems like an uncomfortable either self-reflection or uncomfortable conversations that we would have with others. I'm going to go ahead and lean against the uncomfortable. Good luck to you, Whitney. And you know what, that's what here in athletics, you know, we say that there is no growth in the comfort zone and there's no, no comfort in the growth zone. Um, so at the end of the day, if, if someone is, is wanting to better themselves and better the world and help be a contributing member to maybe not even to society, but even just to, to their own family situation or um, you know, again, as, as members of the church, we, we claim that we, we love God and we, we love our neighbor. And God does not command anything um, where, you know, he, he, he requires sacrifice and effort of us. And again, that's something that comes straight from the prophet. Um, so I think, yes, being uncomfortable is difficult and it's not easy. And it's not something that people want to jump into willingly. Mm-hmm. But if they are willing to follow God, and if they are willing to be good people, and if they are willing to make a mark on this world and and help one another and serve, then then this is you know this is one of the sacrifices that we get to do, and something that we can be excited about. And I'll be honest, like it's not easy for me either. When I again, when I first looked at my clo- five closest people, and I thought, wow, you know, there's a lot of similar similarities here, and not enough differences. I um, took it upon myself to be intentional to to bring in some diversity into the, into my my closest friends and and bring diversity into my heart um, so that I could better understand and serve others and it's something that's greatly enriched me as a person and something um, like I I really value how different these five people are for me and again and I think they could be even more different so I think that there, there's no ending point right there's no mm-hmm. no place where you can say oh yeah I've done it all and I know it all but I think again, the, as, as you experience discomfort and you see the growth that comes from that, it makes you excited to do it again. As a person of color within the church, what has your experience been like, just in general, not necessarily within this job? I'll say what I've found in my experience um, within the church is a lot of uh, this dichotomy of assuming versus acknowledging, right? Tell me what think, you mean. Yeah. So a lot of people will, will assume because of how I look and in society, how we look does play a part into our experience. And so a lot of people will assume things based off of how I look. 
Um, and I've, you know, received what we'll, uh, we'll call the microaggressions of, of instances where people think they're paying me a compliment by, by saying, oh, you know, you look this way, you must be really good at this. Or, oh, you look this way, you must not like that. And, and that, that act of deciding who I am before giving me a chance to help you know who I am and share my identity with you, it's painful and it's frustrating and, and, it's, and it's aggravating. And so I think what my goal is to help, and one thing that I have definitely tried to do in my life, it's not assume that I know someone, acknowledge their differences, of course, right? Like I look different than you. That means that I've had a different experience than you. That doesn't mean that you get to tell me how my life has gone or how I identify or what that means for me. But let's engage in conversation where we can both learn about each other. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. I've got about 60 seconds to talk to you about Best DJ in Utah. Now, here's the deal. I have almost attained this for real, meaning I almost have the most reviews in the state of Utah as far as DJ services go. How about that? That's Best DJ in Utah, and I didn't just buy the web domain. That's actually some proof in the pudding. Here's the deal. Doing lots of events. I'm able to do it from a socially uh, distant, a physically distant distance. That's a lot of distance, I just said. Uh, But if you want to find out more about how I may be able to make your party, whether that be holiday or family reunion, or you've got a wedding coming up, make that the best event it possibly can be. I would hope that you would please join me over at bestdjinutah.com. You can find out about pricing, ask for a quote, and be able to correspond with me there. The website, again, is bestdjinutah. And don't let the name fool you. I'm going to Texas next month. bestdjinutah.com. Hey, this is Dan, the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. I know we're going through a lot right now. Many states are quarantining people to their homes so that they have to work remotely. One of the things that's really important is to have a computer that's functioning correctly. One with a good webcam, one that's fast so you can be productive, one that has a good quality screen because you're going to be on this all day remotely. Computer supply has been strained because manufacturing has almost stopped. At PC Laptops, we've secured a limited quantity of laptop and desktop computers that are backed with a lifetime service guarantee. They're available for you right now in limited quantity. The great thing about PC Laptops is this. Once you buy your new computer, if you have any problems or questions, we're here to take care of you. Also, to make it really easy right now, we've arranged with some banks to offer 12-month special financing. Get into PC Laptops right now. Because at PC Laptops, we're here for you and we're in this together. PCLaptops.com. Picking up just sort of some uh, just simple questions. Did you attend BYU? Is this your first time being on campus? Tell me a little bit about like where you were raised and then what this was like knowing that you are going to be the really long title that I listed at the beginning of our discussion at BYU. Yeah. Uh, So no, I was not a student here at BYU and I'll be open and transparent. I I grew up in Utah, went to Lone Peak High School down in 
Alpine, Utah, and I did not want to come to BYU because in my mind, it was going to be a repeat of high school. I loved high school, but I just decided it was time to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually, I played basketball at the U- University of New Mexico, was served a mission in Mexico City. I went back to New Mexico, played another year, graduated with my undergrad, and then transferred to Southern Utah University, where I played two more years, got my master's, and was able to play with my little sister. And so from there, I went to Indiana University, where I worked in their student-athlete development department, did a lot of diversity and inclusion efforts with with the student-athletes there and the staff there, um, and then worked at the NCAA. And this, this, this journey of me getting to this, this place of, you know, being an associate director for, um, I don't mean to say my whole title already set up, but <laughs> being in the situation where I'm over diversity and inclusion at BYU, it's one of those things that diversity and inclusion wasn't something that I cared about when I was younger. And it was because of the microaggressions that I experienced. And it was because of, of people deciding who I was. And I was very turned off to the whole thing, um, wanted to just go about my life colorblind, um, which was impossible because again, I kept experiencing microaggressions and people kept deciding who I was for me um, until I got to Indiana University and and I, I was asked to lead the diversity and inclusion efforts there. Again, having a history of being turned off to all of it, didn't think like, oh, I don't really want to do this, but they're asking me to do it. So I'm going to go for it. I'm going to put mm-hmm. all my all into this And working with those student athletes taught me so much because one, I realized that I wasn't the only one who felt the way that I did. And two, I did not want the student athletes there to have the same experience that I did. And I wanted to help make it better for them. And so from there onto the NCAA, and then now I currently sit on the advisory board for a diversity and inclusion organization, Return on Inclusion. I've been in other diversity and inclusion initiatives. I've worked with untold athletes for a while, which is a um, student athlete, uh, we'll, we'll call it activism, social media campaign. Um, and so I'm, I'm working in all these areas where I've now surrounded myself with diversity and inclusion themes and been an active part in it. Um, coming to BYU, it just, it gives me so much excitement to see this place that represents my church and something that I am so passionate about and be able to make it better and be able to help make it a place where everyone can thrive, everyone feels like they belong, and people don't have to think of themselves or see the way see themselves the way that I did growing up. Um, so it's it's definitely been a journey of, of growth and learning and coming to Jesus in various ways. <laughs> I think it's exciting. So much within the church, we talk about pioneers and that instantly puts you in a bonnet and carrying a handcart across the, the plains. But knowing that, you know, within this discussion that I'm talking with you, someone who is pioneering this position at BYU and is on the forefront of what I also uh, am really excited about what BYU is doing, saying, hey, you know what, we need to be more o- aware of this. We need to make sure everyone, that is absolutely everyone, feels welcome, feels love, feels the love of God, especially with it being you know, that private institution that BYU is. You mentioned uh, within your talking, and I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up, uh, within the NCAA, and I think about how... Um, you know, people, when they see you and they, they hear, you know, diversity and inclusion, I think that they immediately would leap to race 
as diversity and inclusion. But we look at, at even most recently with the NCAA tournament, looking at the women's facilities versus the men facilities for the for the tournament. And it's like, you know, it's like two weights and a half eaten bench, it looks like for the women. And then, you know, just this amazing, you know, facility that's top notch for the men. The, it's more than just race when we're talking about diversity and inclusion. And there may be things that we think, oh, no, we're there already. We've got this where we clearly don't. Clearly. And I will say that during my time at the NCAA, I, there are so many amazing people there. I loved my time there. Um, it's very unfortunate and shocking that something like that was um, overlooked. But I know they're making efforts to right that wrong. Um, in terms of diversity, yes, I, I wholeheartedly agree. People hear diversity and they think, oh, you want diversity, you want more Black people. That mm-hmm. is not the case. And if you go back to the exercise I had you do, like diversity covers all of those categories that, that I named for you. It's age diversity. It is race and ethnicity. It's also gender diversity, male, female, um, gender identity sexual orientation with LGBTQ community is when we're talking about student athletes here and on a, on a campus, we're talking about bringing in more international student athletes. Again, here at BYU, because it's a religious institution, we're talking about those of uh, various religious affiliations and different faiths. So it's people of all varying backgrounds. Oh, and socioeconomic status as well. Um, and again, on a university campus, we're talking about those getting those first generation college students here. Um, because they have a perspective and and a look at life that that can greatly enrich the whole whole BYU community. So yeah, we're definitely when we talk about diversity, we're counting the heads of a lot of different people across the spectrum and in a lot of different ways. And when we talk about inclusion, it's about bringing them together in a place where they all feel like they belong, they all feel like they can contribute, and they all have their voice heard and appreciated. When your position was announced, there was a certain faction of people who uh, would seek to minimize your power and and influence and said something to the effect of, oh, well, clearly uh, BYU is, you know, checking the boxes so they can get to be a part of a big five conference. And this is something that they have to do. They have to make sure that that they put this into place. Um, you started by saying that you really recognize this as a top down um, sort of movement within BYU and dismiss. Do you dismiss that out of hand? Is there any sort of truth to the people that would make claims about something like that? In my experience, I would say definitely not. Like there, there is support here in, on from every level, and this is something that, especially the athletic director Tom Homo, he feels passionately about because he sees student athletes and the struggles they're having, and he is fighting to make a better place for them. Um, so I think with any you know creation of of a new position. There are a lot of factors to it. And there are, you know, in, in terms of wanting to compete at the power five level, like if having this position helps gets us closer there, you know, that that is a great cherry on top. That is a great benefit to having this position. Um, but I will say, and I will continue to say that uh, Tom's reasoning for creating this was, was not for clout, was not for position. It was to make a better place for his student athletes. Uh, what's been the thing that surprised you the most? You've only been there a couple of weeks now. Uh, what, whether it's been, oh man, this is going to be harder than I thought, or man, this is completely different than what I came in with a perspective. What has surprised you? You know, I think the thing that has surprised me the most, um, and I can't even, I'll, I'll say I'm surprised about, about it when I shouldn't be. 
Um, I can be a person that is resistant to change and, and new things kind of make me hesitant to dive in again. And we were just talking about being uncomfortable. So obviously this is something that I'm actively working on too. Um, but I, I tell people that I am going back and forth between being extremely overwhelmed and stressed and then being overjoyed and excited where I just feel like bursting through the roof and there's been no middle ground. It's either extremely stressed <laughs> or overly excited. And again, I, 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 I tried to prepare myself coming into this. I was just like, Whitney, you know, it, it takes you a good six months, three to six months to really, you know, feel great about something like you, you're going to experience a lot of emotions. But now that I'm here, I'm just like, wow, I was not ready for these emotions. <laughs> I've definitely, my body's been been saying, okay, we gotta, we gotta find balance. Like we need to sleep more. We need to take those vitamins. But anyways, so I think for me, it's just been on um, my personal reaction to this position. But again, I, the support is there. I think um, in meeting with, with the student athletes, the coaches, the administrators, the people on campus, the external stakeholders that we have at, at BYU, there, a lot of people have a lot of ideas of how this position should go, um, which has added to the stress and to the excitement in the sense that there are so many opportunities here. Um, and there's so many things that, that I and my team are going to be able to run with. So again, it's just, it's a lot <laughs> and it's balancing that. That's what I think has been my, my biggest surprise. A question you wouldn't ever get asked by another media outlet. Is, is there an experience where you have felt the help of God in just the couple of weeks that you've been here? where you're like, oh yeah, we got this solidarity. We're going to, we're going to get through. And if you're, if you feel comfortable to share, I would love to hear it. Yeah, I definitely, definitely would love to share that. So I'll actually share an experience that just happened yesterday. And it's a small, small experience. I think one thing, and again, just, just in my personal life, the this past year has been a year of spiritual growth for me. So I've been able to notice some of those smaller moments that mean so much to me now. And they wouldn't have a couple of years ago. Um, but yesterday I got out of a meeting um, and it was a great meeting. It was one of those meetings though, where again, there was a long list of, of itemized things like, oh, Whitney, you can do this and you can do this, you can do this. And they said it with the energy of excitement. And I just felt like, oh my goodness, more things to add to the list. I can't, I can't handle this. I can't deal with it. And so I walked out, out of the meeting and I was feeling very stressed, very frazzled. And, and I, and actually, so pause that stressed, fraz frazzled moment, go back on um, Saturday, I went to a devotional where the speaker talked about the importance of remembering God and keeping his commandments. And he put a spin on it. Dr. Matt Townsend, he's amazing. He put a spin on it where he said, you know, in those moments where, where, where you feel like you can't handle it, or you're going through something difficult, take a deep breath and look up and look to God and imagine Christ sitting here and how you would feel if he were, if he were there with you and, and just take a moment and connect with him. And then you'll be able to go forward with that confidence in Christ and, and with the spirit. And then whatever you feel or whatever revelation you get in that moment, go act on it because that's, that's revelation. That's you being in the spirit and connecting with Christ. So yesterday I'm in that frazzled state. And I remember that look up. So I took a deep breath and I looked up and I, and I began a prayer. I said, Heavenly Father, and and I felt like almost instantly the words just came to me. And he was, you know, he was talking to me like he was my father. And he was like, Whitney, you're tired and you're stressed. Go take a nap. <laughs> and it was the end of the day. So I was, I, I put in all my quote unquote hours for work or whatever. And I had meetings later that night, but I, you know, I, I was just like, you know what? He's right. I'm tired. So that's why I can't handle this right now. 
I'm gonna go take a nap. So I went and took a nap in my car and I hope my boss isn't listening right now. It's fine. Again, I got all my hours in. I went to all my meetings. It was fine. So I took a quick nap in my car, came back and finished my other meetings for the, for the night, actually, by that point. Again, I was, it was like five o'clock when I went and took a nap and then came back at 6.30. And so, um, but it was just, it was a simple thing, but I was just like, okay, Heavenly Father, like I can, you got my back. I can do this. Like we can take care of my body so that my mind is right so that I can handle the stressful things. And then I ended the night on a super high note on my drive to drive home. I was chatting my sister's ear off about how excited I was about the job. So that's just a testament of the roller coaster of this job, but also that I know, I know God's here. And as I look up, I, I can, I can feel him. That's awesome. Uh, and, and know that there are a lot of people that you don't know that are looking at you and the things that you are doing and are willing to support you, certainly, but also are just excited about the the amazing opportunity that has been given to you and, and you know, hope that you feel buoyed up by those things. Uh, there are three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall, so I will ask those of you right now. The first question is, is do you have a calling right now? And if so, what is it? Yes, I do have a calling. I am the co-chair of the fellowship committee. Nice. Is there much fellowshipping going on uh, within oh. within pandemic? Are we doing it all online? Are we meeting up at a park and saying hello over there? We have we have had to be creative. Most definitely, Zoom is you know on board with the whole nation right now. Zoom is our best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's been great just inviting people to come to activities, and then we are luckily having in person church, and so we're saying hi to those new people saying hello to those new faces, having game nights, planning activities. Um, it's actually, I co-chair um, with another individual and we have a committee of about 10 people. And wow. honestly, this is a phenomenal calling, phenomenal committee. I, I've loved working with them and such great, great people. So yeah, we're, we're, I am not killing it because I won't give myself that praise, but the committee doing a phenomenal job, great people to work with. If you could pick a calling, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? Ah, I think it definitely depends on what else is going on in my life at the time. Sometimes I would love just to be the ward chorister. And uh, other times I would love to be the bishop and just tell people (laughs) what's up and how to do. Honestly, though, I think I could make a phenomenal executive secretary if that were a position given to women and I think it should, but that's a topic for another time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, that, and I always wanted to be the Relief Society secretary because I was just like, you know what? I don't need to be the president. I don't need to be counselors. I don't need to have that stress, but I can organize everything that you need organized. Uh, the final question that we ask everyone and ask you to interpret this however you will, uh, but the question remains, what is your favorite part of your faith? I would have to say that my favorite part of my faith, this is a great question. I'll take it from a personal angle. Um, And I would say my my favorite part of my personal faith, um, you know, it says in the scriptures, like, blessed are those who, who have a testimony in Christ. And then also, blessed are those who believe in those who have a strong testimony of Christ. And the reward with both of those, we'll call them spiritual gifts, are essentially the same. And my faith is one um, that sometimes when I'm doubting it, sometimes when it's lacking, I am able to rely on those who have a stronger faith. And I have had amazing angels in my life who have allowed me to tether myself to them. Um, And I'll give a shout out to my sister, the greatest angel, um, who 
who has been that tethering point for me so often when my faith has, has um, felt slightly less than phenomenal. Hers has always been phenomenal. And so I rely on her and rely on those other angels. And I, and, you know, and even as I say that, you know, I'm not even embarrassed. I, I, I rely on the faith of others often, but I'm good at discerning who those are or who those good people to tether myself to are. Um, and, and I've been able to surround myself with great people who have gotten me through a lot and who have been able to lead me to places where I can look up to Christ myself. That's awesome. Hopefully uh, you can hire an assistant to the Associate Athletic Director for Student Athlete Development, Diversity, and Inclusion and get your sis working side by side with you. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. She she is a nurse and she has a little baby nephew who I love. So I think she's a little busy right now. Oh, but... all right. All right. All right. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how they feel about nepotism down there at BYU anyway. Uh, we've been visiting with Whitney Johnson. We hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really gotta go on the Cultural Hall show.